extra for me. Well, let's stand together as we uh, worship together.
Well, good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, it's good to have you here. First Sunday of 2024. That just sounds odd coming out of our mouth, doesn't it? Uh, so uh, how many of you have already been writing 2023 on the things that you were supposed to be writing 2024 on? Anybody done that yet? I've done it a half a dozen times this week, and so it's got to get used to it. But we're glad you're here today. It's good to see you. Uh, today is the day that we're launching our new children's church. And uh, so what we're going to do right now uh, is go ahead and dismiss all of our children who are between the ages of 3 and grade 3. Um, Nancy is somewhere right outside. Oh, there she is. I'm sorry, Nancy, I didn't see you. She's going to be back there. So if you guys will go back there with her. Now, parents, if you would like to escort your children down to the uh, kids' church room, since this is the first time they'll be going there, so you can see where it's at and kind of get a, a view of what's going on, then you are welcome to do that. And we hope you'll come back and, and be a part of us, but you are welcome to, to uh, be with our children down there as well. Uh, they're going to be heading downstairs in this building directly below us uh, next to the nursery. That's the new kids' church room. And we appreciate Nancy doing such a great job of getting that room ready. Thank you, Jimmy, and all those that helped Jimmy in getting that room prepared. Uh, I think he had the best supervisor they could be, right, Ann? Um, but thank you all who, who worked so diligently to get that room ready for today because there's a lot, a lot, a lot of work went into it. And uh, we appreciate every moment that uh, you have put into that. So uh, that's going on downstairs. A couple things coming up this week. Uh, we got a personnel team meeting Tuesday, uh, deacons meeting next Sunday. Next Sunday we'll have communion together. Pick up a bulletin. Make sure you read all of the announcements that are there. All of them are very important. That way you'll be informed uh, about all that's going on, not just uh, today, but in the weeks to come. And you'll notice that... Um, February, the, let me look at it now, uh, February the 11th, we've got Sacred Harmony, Harmony that's going to be with us, and they'll be uh, doing our service as a great gospel group. I think you'll enjoy them. They're very anointed in their singing. Uh, we will receive a love offering at that uh, service. Uh, every penny will go to them. We're asking you just to make your checks payable to them, Sacred Harmony. Uh, that way uh, we can give them the funds that day as they move on uh, to serve elsewhere. But thank you again for being here today. We're going to take just a moment to uh, pray together. And I want to encourage you that as we pray, pray for those of your family, your friends uh, that are suffering and struggling right now. It's cold and flu season. we got a lot of people that are sick. Uh, so we ask you to pray. Let's do that together. Our Father and our God, today we do come to declare that you are holy. You are pure, you are righteous, and you are good. And we thank you, God, that you have, you have chosen in that goodness that you are to love us. And Lord, we confess before you now that we are broken people, that we live in a broken world, that we have sinned against you, we have sinned against the kingdom of God. And Lord, today we come before you as broken and sinful creatures 
who desire more than anything else to see you today, to hear your voice, to feel your touch. And so we come into your presence now, Lord, with a humble heart of repentance before you, praying, oh God, cleanse us from our sin and open our eyes that we may see your glory in this place today. We pray that the Holy Spirit of God would fall fresh upon this place, ministering to every heart, to every mind in this place. For those who are watching online, even right now, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would enter that room and minister to those people as they have need. God, we love you and we praise you for who you are. We thank you for for showering us with your love and your grace and your mercy. And today we have come into this place to declare that you are worthy of our praise. So take this offering from our lips as we sing. Take this offering from our heart as we study your word. Take this offering, Lord, as we fellowship with one another. May it be pleasing to you today. And bring honor to your name. For it's in the precious name of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, let's stand one more time as we sing.
I won't bow to idols. I'll stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice because you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings. I hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Cause death is just the doorway into resurrection life. And if I join you in your suffering, then I'll join you when you rise. And when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing, my song will be the same. Oh, Christ be magnified, let his praise arise, Christ be Let's pray the offertory prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're just uh, grateful to be here today. Lord, we thank you for all your blessings in 2023 and all the blessings that you'll give us in 2024 and going forward. Lord, help us to be uh, good stewards of all that you give us because we're here only temporarily and it's not ours, it's yours. Pray that what we give today and every time we give will be a blessing to you and a blessing to your kingdom. Lord, I pray for our church members who are facing different surgeries, different trials in their lives today. Be with each one of them. Fill them. Lord, I pray that you'll fill us this morning with your spirit. Please be in this room today with us. Open our hearts to your word from Tommy today. Lord, we just uh, praise you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, as we've celebrated... The coming of a new year, let's continue singing our praises to the Ancient of Days, the God of all years.
Thank you guys, appreciate it so much, and appreciate Brandon uh, leading us in worship this morning. Nancy is downstairs with the Kids Church, that's where she'll be today, and I want to say thank you to all of you who came this morning uh, to say um, how much you appreciate her and love her as she uh, is leaving us after today, so we are grateful to her um, for how God has used her in our church uh, during these 14 and a half years that she's been with us. And appreciate Brandon being willing to step up and just kind of help us out for a little bit and leading the music as uh, we begin the next phase uh, of our church year and as our church enters into a, a new phase of life. I appreciate Brandon being able to help us with that. I want to ask you, if you will, to turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah, chapter number 1. Uh, and just as a reminder, too, that at the end of service today, we'll have a very brief uh, conference. Uh, the personnel team is asking the church to set aside the two-week rule, first of all. And secondly, uh, we will be voting on the recommendation, the motion from the personnel team to allow Nancy to have a second month of severance pay uh, after today. So we'll be doing that at the end of service today. Nehemiah chapter 1. Today we're kicking off a, a series of messages. I know Nehemiah is a book we've been into a lot, but I want, we wanted to go back there because uh, there's one thing that's constant, and that's change. And unfortunately, whether we like the change or not, change happens. And so we have to be reminded often uh, of what God's plan is, but not just God's plan, but also remembering that we have a purpose in that plan. We're not just bystanders or spectators. We're not here haphazardly. That God has placed each of us where we are to be a part of His plan. He has a plan. And Nehemiah brings that out as well as any of our books of the Bible. That one brings it forefront to us. 
So today we're going to begin looking at God's plan and my purpose. And the first question we're going to answer is, why am I here? Now, that's usually the question you ask when you walk into a room and you can't remember why you walked into a room. So, But that's not the case this time. That's not why we're asking that, okay? Uh, This is more or less asking the question, okay, God's got a plan. He's got a purpose for me. Why am I here? Why am I part of that purpose? So let's read the uh, first couple of verses of Nehemiah, chapter number 1. The Bible says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakelah, now it happened in the month of Cheslev that the twentieth year, that while I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and survived the captivity and about Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there... In the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, again, we thank you for this day, and we come humbly into your presence, Lord, acknowledging that we need you. These words are truth, they are life, they, they reveal your plan and our purpose to us. But God, for us to be able to understand them, to be able to comprehend them, to be able to incorporate them into our life, we are dependent upon you. So we pray, O oh Holy Spirit, will you just minister in our hearts and our lives even now as we study the Word of God to help us to see the truth that lies there for us as individuals as a church, that, Lord, will embrace that, knowing that your plan is always perfect and that your purpose for us is always meaningful. And today, God, may we follow your plan. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. Work in our hearts and our lives now is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The early history of the nation of Israel is filled with both triumph and tragedy. Triumphant in that God had proven Himself over and over again to be faithful to the people of Israel. But it was also tragic in that God's chosen people had over and over chosen to rebel against God. No matter how good and faithful He was they always found themselves back in a place of rebellion and disobedience. That's the the cycle of sin in the lives of all of us. And that's the way many of us operate is God will show us His goodness and His faithfulness and, and we will embrace it for a while, but eventually we will begin to drift away. Losing our vision of what God has for us and we'll begin to rebel against Him. And then again, He, in His love and in His mercy and His grace, He brings us back in a heart of repentance and humility. And again, He proves His faithfulness to us as He has over and over again. But being true to His word, God had finally allowed the people who made up this favored nation to go into Exile, bearing forth the truth that disobedience to God always bears a price. It always bears a price. There is a price to be paid when we choose willfully to sin against God. 
There were some lessons that God was wanting to teach the people of Israel during this time of turmoil. And primarily, He wanted them to learn that He is always faithful, even when things are good and even when things are bad. He is always faithful and that He always has a plan that will prosper His people. That no matter what's going on around us, that His plan is not negated, nor is it lessened, but it's always there for our good. In 586 B.C., Jerusalem was conquered by the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar. The people were taken captive, and as was the common practice of the Babylonians, they were scattered throughout the Babylonian empire. We, we can read about that if you, if you choose to do so. In the Old Testament books of Kings and Chronicles, you'll, you'll read about this conquering. But eventually, even the Babylonians would fall to the Medes and the Persians. And under the great rule of Cyrus the Great, who was a Persian king, a man named Zerubbabel in 538 B.C. was allowed to lead a remnant of people back to Jerusalem as was the custom of the Babylonians to scatter the people of all lands. It was also the custom of the Medes and Persians to allow people to, who were captive to return back to their homelands. And being true to that policy, Cyrus the Great allowed Zerubbabel to lead a, a group, a remnant of people back into Jerusalem. And they immediately began to rebuild the temple there. However, it was never finished at that time because they, the people became afraid of the surrounding nations. The people that had also been conquered by the Medes and the Persians and the Babylonians. And they too had returned to their places and their cities. And they were threatening the Israelites and being intimidated and losing a sight of God's vision for what He had sent them back to do. They quit building the temple. Later, another king named Artaxerxes, also of Persia, in five, excuse me, in 458, he would allow a man by the name of Ezra to take a second group of captives back into Jerusalem. And under the leadership of Ezra, and because God was dealing with the people of Israel, they would eventually complete the rebuilding of the temple. But even with the temple complete, the city walls laid in ruins. The gates were burned. They were left unprotected, and they were vulnerable to future attacks. You see, something happens here that we got to be careful that we don't miss. We find it at the end of Ezra and in the beginning of Nehemiah. And there's this transition that takes place that if we're not careful, we run right by it. And it is this. After building the temple and finally getting the temple rebuilt, the people became complacent. They became apathetic. They had seen God do something amazing. God had been faithful as He says He will do and he had allowed them to return back and and he had given them the resources to rebuild the temple and, and now that it was finished they were satisfied with that and they sat down even though the work wasn't finished it was only half done the city walls still lay in ruin the city was still vulnerable yes they had a temple now they had accomplished that which god had placed in their heart to do, but they had become satisfied, complacent, and apathetic, and sat down. They lost their vision that God had given them 
to rebuild the city. And that, my friend, is when problems seem to happen. When we become complacent and apathetic, that is when we find that often anything that God is doing in and around us settles down and ceases to be happening. That's what happened with them. They desperately needed a renewed vision from God. But here's the truth that I want us to embrace today. We can't answer the question of why I'm here without asking the question of where am I going. Like the inhabitants of Jerusalem, we need to understand why we are here. Why are you in this place on this day at this time? Why has God brought you into the fellowship of this church on this day at this time? As we enter into 2024, there's a purpose behind it. You are not just here by accident. You are not just here randomly. But God has placed you here for a purpose. And the purpose is He has a plan. So to answer, why am I here? Why has God put me in this place at this time, on this day? We have to ask, where is God wanting me to go? Because that will answer the question why I'm here. I can't answer why I'm here without knowing where He wants me to go, right? And so that's what we're going to find in this passage of Scripture. He gives them two vital keys of renewing their vision. And as He is renewing their vision, then we can understand that God has a purpose and that every person has a plan. So as we open up, we we are now... God is dealing with Nehemiah. The year is 445 B.C. And the king that is on the throne is Artaxerxes. And again, we find that there's there's something that God wants to do. And he's looking for somebody to do it. Nobody in in the city of Jerusalem is doing it. God's looking for someone to step up. Someone to do something. He has a plan And he has a purpose. So here's what we need to know about renewing our vision. Renewing our vision begins with a holy discontent. Now I know, doesn't that sound odd? A holy discontent? Wait a minute, wait a minute. minute. I I thought the idea was for us to be satisfied. Well, no, no, no. There's a difference between satisfied and apathetic. There's a difference between satisfied and complacency. There's a difference between the two. And God was not happy with their complacency and their apathy. So he needed something to stir them up. And it began with a holy discontent. Nehemiah, who is a one of those who had been taking, taken into the foreign country under the captivity, is now serving as the cupbearer to the king, which, by the way, is, is one of the most was is one of the most valued services that the king has. Now I want to tell you something about these Medes and Persians. They like killing each other. Kings were not above killing their own family in order to stay on the throne. 
I mean, they, they, they liked power, and they, if they had it, they wanted to keep it, and they weren't going to let anybody else sneak in and steal it from them. So the cupbearer, the one who kept the king from being poisoned by his enemies, was a very trusted individual. So Nehemiah, I want to tell you something. If there's somebody that's going to be treated right in, the, in this kingdom, Nehemiah's the guy. The king's going to make sure he's got the best place to stay, he's got the finest food to eat, that he has all of his, his needs taken care of because he wants Nehemiah to be fat and happy because if Nehemiah is fat and happy, he'll serve the king well and the king is safe. That's where Nehemiah is. But one day he's visited by his brother and some other men from Jerusalem. <clears throat> Nehemiah begins to question them. Well, how are things... Back in Jerusalem, how are things back at home? And these men begin to tell Nehemiah about the conditions in Jerusalem. And they say, well, I want to tell you something. They're in great distress. They're in great reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates are burned with fire. The picture isn't pretty. It's a mess to say the least. But... What we want to focus on is how Nehemiah responds to that reality. He's been given a reality. Now, why should Nehemiah care? He's in the king's castle. He's eating the king's food. He is sleeping in the finest beds. He, is, he, he has the, the greatest wardrobe. He has the best of the, everything that the world has to offer. Why should he care about Jerusalem? But God opens his eyes to the reality of what's going on in his homeland. And immediately, Nehemiah was broken by the reality of the situation. Now, we need to remember, he hasn't actually seen any of this. The people didn't come with their phones and say, Hey, can I show you some pictures that I took before I left? Let me show you some pictures of the wall. That's not what they did. They didn't come in with their photo albums and start flipping through. So let me, let me show you how things are back home. That, that all they did was tell him. He's yet to lay eyes on anything. Yet he is broken by the reality of the way things are. Suddenly, Nehemiah is overcome with a holy discontent. He's, he's overcome with a holy discontent. Now notice who's not broken. Notice who is not broken by this reality. Those that are sitting in the mess. The ones living in the, in the city of Jerusalem, they are there. They see it every day. They have to step over, walk around all of the debris. But they're satisfied with the way things are. They're content with the way things are. But Nehemiah has... A holy discontent. There's a truth that we need to embrace this morning. We need to embrace it in our personal lives. And we also need to embrace it as a church. We will never seek to renew our vision of what God desires for us. Until we become discontent with the way things are. We will never seek God's renewed vision. Until we reach a point when we say, you know what? Something needs to be done. Something needs to change. 
Oh, you mean things are bad? No, I didn't say things were bad. I'm saying that God says don't become so complacent in where you are that you stop looking for where He's working and what He wants you to do. Don't get so apathetic with the, the uncomfortable in, in, in the little niche that you found that, that you find yourself not even looking anymore for what God wants to do next. That's what happened to the people in Jerusalem. And until there's this holy discontent, until we become discontented with the, with the status quo and the way things are, we will never seek to renew the vision God has for our personal life or for us as a church. As long as we're complacent with the status quo, we'll never see the need to seek God's direction for moving forward. Churches and people have the tendency to, do, to, to go on to autopilot. You know, that's, you know can, I, can I go ahead and tell you, I'm that way. I bet you are too. Do you not have a certain routine that you follow every single day or every single morning? It, it is, that's the way we are. Can I tell you something? I, I am so used to pulling out of the driveway and hitting the garage door remote to close the door that nine out of ten times when I get to the end of my driveway, I can't remember if I closed the garage door or not. I'm just being honest with you. Melissa's got to think I'm nuts because I'm backing back up the driveway to see if the garage door's closed. You know, what's, what's, what's the dude doing? He's just pulling up and back and forth in his driveway. You know why? He, he, he's on autopilot. We just go through the motions because we're so used to going through the motions and we don't even realize what we're doing. And that's what happens to us if we're not careful. But holy discontent is the process of being broken over the current state of things and desiring for God to give us a vision for a change. It's not just changing the change. I want to tell you something. I've tried that before too. And that doesn't work either. Because then I can't remember what I've done because I've hidden it from myself. I take my remote off of the sun, uh, off of the sun visor because I want to make sure I click it. And so I put it down in the, in, in the little console. And then I can't find my remote. I, I'm looking all over the place for it. I'm pulling down the visor. And I, Man, my, I lost my remote. Well, no, I didn't. I just put it in a different place. See, change for change isn't always good. But change for doing what... God wants you to do is what God wants from us. He, he, he's wanting us to ask Him, Lord, okay, this is the way things are. What's next? What do you want me to do now? You've got us here, and we thank you for that. Lord, we praise you for that. We would have, listen, the people of Jerusalem could have said, Oh, holy God, thank you for letting us rebuild our temple. We want to worship there, and we want to worship you, and we want to, we desire to be the, the people you want us to be. So, oh, God, we, we just pray that you make us unhappy with just a building and, and give us the vision to do what's next. Huh. Notice Nehemiah's response. Let's go to verse 4. He says, when I heard this, I sat down and I wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. That's holy discontent. That's the first step. 
If, if, if we're going to seek God's direction, if we're, if we're wanting to know, God, what is your plan and, and what's my part in it? The first thing we got to ask is, 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 Lord, open my eyes to the reality around me. Is there, is there something that I need to be discontent over? What, what is it that I need to weep and mourn over? What is it that I need to fast and pray over? God, what is it that you want from me that requires me to be broken by the current situation? But a renewed vision, secondly, not only requires a holy discontent, but it involves a restored faith. Now let's pick up the story in verse number 5 and, and take it from there. We, we read his prayer. He said, I beseech you, O God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I'm praying before you now, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you, I. And my father's house of sin. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you have been scattered were in the most remote part of the heavens, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today. And grant him compassion before this man. And then he closes verse number 11 by saying, Now I was the cupbearer of the king. What was Nehemiah's response? He told us in verse number 4, he began to weep and mourn, fasting and praying. Nehemiah began immediately once he was confronted with the reality of things and, and he began to see what was actually going on and he became discontent in his heart. The first thing he did is he sought the God who had the plan. I can come up with a plan, but it's not going to be a very good one. You can come up with a plan, but it's probably not going to be a very good one. What you and I need, what we need in our life, what we need in our church, what we, we, we need as a, as a society is we need to know what God wants. He's the one who created us. He's the one who put us here. He's the one who, who placed us in these specific places. What does God want? Our, our holy discontent should lead us to understand that we are broken and sinful creatures who need the help of our mighty and powerful God. I need someone bigger than me leading the way. I need someone smarter than me pointing in the right direction. He began to pray and confess sin. And by the way, for what it's worth, the messes that we create are our messes, right? Ain't that what we teach our kids? 
They go into a room and they scatter their toys all over the floor. And then they look at you wanting you to clean it up. What do you say? I know what I say. You made the mess. You clean it up. That's your mess. That's your mess. See, here's the problem, folks. Too many times we make a mess of our life and then we look to God and we say, God, can you clean this up? And as the loving father that he is, he says, boy, that's your mess. You clean it up. I'll help you. But you got to clean it up. You see, here's where we, we find confession of sin and repentance of sin. Before we can ask God to show us His plan, we need to get right with Him. Before we can say, God, what do you want me to do next? we got to get in right step with Him. We need to repent of our sin, confess our sins. Listen, He is saying, not only have they sinned, then He says, oh, by the way, I am my Father's house of sin too. He didn't go into a you oughta. You know, that's a southern thing, right? You oughta. How many of you use a you oughta? A lot of people do. You ought to do this. You ought to take this and move it there and you ought to rearrange that and you ought to paint. You ought to. Sometimes we get into that place with God and we start saying, God, you know what you ought to do? Here's what you need to do, God. You ought to move like this. And God says, I think you got it backwards. Let's start with me doing a you ought to. You ought to get right with me. You get right with me and we'll take it from there, son. You get right with me. You get in step with me. You get on my plan. And I tell you what, we're going to go do something. We're going to go somewhere. We're going to make something happen. But you got to get on my plan, get in my step. you got to get right with me. Don't make a mess and then say, God, you ought to come down here and fix this stuff. You get right with me. Get in my plan. And things will begin to happen. So before we can ask him to show us his plan, we've got to get right for him, for, with him. Nehemiah understood that his people had gotten themselves in a mess and it wasn't God's fault. They couldn't blame God for the mess they were in. They had put themselves in this mess. But listen, God had a plan to prosper them and a plan to help them get back on track, to get back to where he could use them and and, and where they could be a testimony for him again. He had a plan. Jeremiah says it plainly. God's plans are to prosper us. Therefore our good. Not to cause us harm. That's God's plan. You say, but wait a minute. I'm not in a prospering season. I'm not in a good season. What's going on? You're working your plan. That's what's going on. Your plan gets you in the mess. His plan brings good. But He can't use us until we come clean by confessing and repenting of our sins. After He confesses His sins, He goes on to express His trust in God's faithfulness. (laughs) I love the prayer that He prayed. God, you were faithful to your word that when we left you, you'd scatter us. (laughs) You did that. You were faithful. But now, God, be faithful in that when we return back to you in confession and repentance, that now you will restore us. Here's the way John says that. 
God is faithful. And that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and true to, re- to cleanse us of our sins and restore us from all unrighteousness. That's the faithfulness of God. That's the faithfulness of God. And He's banking on the faithfulness of God. He's trusting in the faithfulness of God. His faith was restored and renewed because he said, you know what, God? You've done everything you said you would do. You said if we, we disobeyed, this is what's going to happen. That's where we are. Now, God, you said that if we would do this, this is what's going to happen. God, we trust you that that's what's going to happen. He trusted in the faithfulness of God. He renewed his faith. Nehemiah began to understand, finally, as we come to verse number 11, we come to understand, he began, he began to grasp why he was where he was. He began to understand, why am I here? He's a cupbearer to the king, and he begins to say, Oh, now I see what you're doing, God. Okay, now I'm getting it. Now I know why I'm here. You've shown me what you want me to do. You've shown me your plan. See, he got right with God, and as he was getting right with God, God began to show him his plan, and as God began to show him his plan, Nehemiah suddenly began to understand his purpose. Now I know why I'm the king's cupbearer. God's going to use that pagan king to accomplish his perfect will. God's going to use the pagan king in my position here in this kingdom to get Everything that God wants done, done. That's why, listen, Nehemiah found out why I'm here by asking, Lord, where am I going? Where you wanted me to go? And as he discovered where God wanted him to go, he suddenly understood why he was here. It became clear to him. He had a renewed vision. I want you to understand as we close our time together this morning that God has an amazing plan for you in 2024. God has an amazing plan for our church in 2024. He didn't say it was going to be easy. He didn't say it was going to be a walk in the park or a piece of cake or whatever analogy you want to use. But He did tell us that He's got a plan. And if you want to know why God has you here, You need to start asking Him where He wants you to go. What's my part in this, Lord? What what do I do? Today we begin by first asking God to fill our heart with a holy discontent with the way things are. It's time we come clean with God, by the way, by confessing our sin of complacency and apathy and repent of our sin and start seeking His direction. And I'm asking you as, as, as a broken, sinful person myself who's a part of this church body, I'm asking you that we can covenant together today that we're going to, we're going to have a season of prayer and confession and repentance before God so that our faith And who God is and what God wants can be restored. And then start asking Him what's next. Lord, where do we go from here? I want to make that covenant with you this morning. I hope you'll make that covenant with me. Until we become discontent with the way things are, 
We'll never seek God's direction for where He wants us to go. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're kind of like Nehemiah. Things are just, man, things are coming up golden roses for you right now. I mean, it's, it's good where, where you are right now. And, and, I, and I praise God that if it is, that it is. But He put you in that position for a reason. Maybe you're on the other end of that. Maybe you're one of those sitting down in Jerusalem with a mess all around you. Everywhere you look, there's a ruin, there's a rubble, there's a burnt thing. There's a, it's just a mess. But maybe you've become content with sitting in your mess. And maybe it's time to say, God, help me to see this for what it really is. This is, this is your, your plan hasn't been finished, it hasn't been completed, hasn't been carried out. Lord, make me discontent with the way things are. Forgive me for my sin and my, my failure to repent. Lord, use me. See, see what, what Nehemiah didn't understand at the time, and neither did the people in Jerusalem, by the way. God was about to turn all of them into bricklayers. <laughs> but wait a minute, that's not what I do for a living. I don't, I don't lay brick. Well, they were about to become bricklayers. They really were. I'm not a wall builder. You're a wall builder. I'm not a wall builder. Never built a wall in my life. God might be calling you to get ready to build a wall. Somebody had to clean that mess up. Somebody had to get the rubble out of the way. Well, I don't like cleaning up other people's mess. Maybe you don't, but God may be getting ready to make you one of those utility guys that clean up other people's mess. He might, I don't know what he's getting ready to call you to do. But he's calling us to be part of his plan because he has a purpose for us. Let's find out what that is. I bet I'm banking on the faithfulness of God that is pretty cool. That's really neat. That is awesome. I don't want to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. So why don't we just decide together that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a holy discontent and restore our faith, find God's plan and our purpose, and get on with it. In just a moment, we're going to stand we'll pray. Right where you are, maybe you just need to bow your head and say, Lord, I've become so complacent with the way things are right now. I've just got kind of settled in. I'm just, uh, you know, Lord, help me to become discontent in the things that are not pleasing to you. Help me to become discontent and that there's things that you wanted me to do that I hadn't done yet. Maybe you just need to pray that prayer. Maybe you need to begin with a prayer of confession. God, I've I failed you. I've sinned against you and, and I'm coming as a broken creature before a holy God. And I'm bowing in, in your presence and saying, oh God, cleanse me, wash me, forgive me, give me that new vision. Whatever it may be that you need to pray about today, this is a good time to do it. Let's pray. Father, your plans are beyond ours. Lord, your word tells us that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man what you have for us as your children.
Lord, we, if we're guilty of going on autopilot sometimes. Just kind of becoming comfortable in our mess. Becoming complacent and apathetic in the way things are. Creating us today, Lord, that holy discontent. That our heart will yearn for the opportunity to be restored. Give us a humble, broken heart that's full of repentance. Give our lips the confession that needs to be spoken. And Lord, as we rise up from our knees, give us the vision, your plan, our purpose. These next few moments, Lord, do in our lives what only you can do. We need you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing together.
Thank you so much. I'm going to ask you to be seated for just a moment. We're going to be very brief.